Life Audio. The Bible Study Podcast, episode 828. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues with two Psalms, with Psalm 87 and Psalm 88. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Psalm 87 is pretty short, so we're going to do that and then carry on to Psalm 88. Both of them are Psalms by the Sons of Korah. But first, a word from our sponsor. Did you know that the Salvation Army not only provides services to those in need, but we also produce a network of Christian podcasts you can listen to on your favorite podcast store? One of these shows, Words of Life, is a 15-minute weekly show featuring interviews, testimonies, Bible studies, and more. In April, we'll once again hear from author and pastor Natalie Runyon. She has created a new six-week discipleship course for women to talk about community, women in leadership, accountability, and more. We want discipleship to be what's drawing people, not bounce houses. They're more likely to come back and not just to be entertained. Even in me, you know, making him have to pry it from my hands, he was still saying, but I have something better. It was because of the redeemed saying so, of telling the story of what God had done. When we point people to him, they're going to want to know him. Listen to Words of Life on your favorite podcast store or visit wordsoflifepodcast.org. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Psalm 87 begins like this, Of the sons of Korah, a psalm, a song. He has founded his city on the holy mountain. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are said of you, city of God. I will record Rahab and Babylon among those who acknowledge me. Philistia too and Tyre along with Cush, and will say, This one was born in Zion. Indeed, of Zion it will be said, This one and that one were born in her, and the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord will write in the registers of the peoples, This one was born in Zion. As they make music, they will sing, All my fortunes are in you. You can imagine that if you think about the Jewish people who are at the Passover every year saying next year in Jerusalem, that closeness for the city of God, that closeness for Jerusalem, that closeness for Zion, and how special this psalm could be, this psalm that talks about how Jerusalem is special to God and talking about the city built on his holy mountain. And our understanding is, or the Jewish understanding rather, of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem is that that is the point at which Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac before he was stopped by the angel of the Lord. And so they hold this as a sacred mountain and understanding that this is God's holy hill. And so talking about founding this city, the city on this holy mountain, 
the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. So that this is a special place and a special people. And I thought it was interesting how many times it's mentioned that this one and that one were born in her. How special to be born in Jerusalem. How special to be born in the city of God. Glorious things are said of you, the city of God. I will record Rahab and Babylon among those who acknowledge me. And then it mentions all of the other neighboring or some of the other neighboring areas. These are areas that would be part of the Canaanites, Philistia, Tyre, and Cush, also Phoenician cities, another way of saying that. And so she's acknowledged by her neighbors as a special place. Of she being the city, the city is being personified here as female. The Lord will write in the registers of his people, this one was born in Zion. As they make music, they will sing, all my fountains are in you. Now, there are other places in the Bible that other things are said of Jerusalem. But Jesus who says, you know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often we've I wanted to gather you to myself and how Jerusalem who kills the prophets and such. But this this moment here of remembering, I think, what God intended Jerusalem to be, what God intended Zion to be, that place where the temple is, that place that is special to God and to the people of God. Now, it's not quite the same special place now. It is special to Christians. It is special to those who are Jewish as well. It is more complicated now than it was here in the Sons of Korah. And it's not that God is in Jerusalem and isn't other places, but there are some places in our lives, too, that are special. Whether that be the city of Zion, whether that be Jerusalem, or the place we grew up, or our home church, or that cabin that our family used to go to, there are places where we do feel closer to God. And I pray that wherever you are now will be a place this week that you can feel the presence of God. Did you know that the Salvation Army not only provides services to those in need, but we also produce a network of Christian podcasts you can listen to on your favorite podcast store? One of these shows, Words of Life, is a 15-minute weekly show featuring interviews, testimonies, Bible studies, and more. In April, we'll once again hear from author and pastor Natalie Runyon. She has created a new six-week discipleship course for women to talk about community, women in leadership, accountability, and more. We want discipleship to be what's drawing people, not bounce houses. They're more likely to come back and not just to be entertained. Even in me, you know, making him have to pry it from my hands, he was still saying, but I have something better. It was because of the redeemed saying so, of telling the story of what God had done. When we point people to him, they're going to want to know him. Listen to Words of Life on your favorite podcast store or visit wordsoflifepodcast.org. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. We move on now, one more chapter, to Psalm 88. Psalm 88, a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah for the director of music, according to Mahalath, Leonath, a mascal of Hermon the Ezrahite. 
Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavy on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness, or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? For from my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You could have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. This may be the darkest of the Psalms. It's certainly one of the darkest that I can remember because it doesn't have that usual thing of halfway through we remember and we turn our eyes to our God and we think about how things are going to be better. It's written by someone who is crying out to God and crying out repeatedly and has been crying out for some time and still feels the wrath of God, still is overwhelmed with troubles. It sounds like it was written from hell. It was written from death and from the grave. It's a fascinating psalm in that way. It's a very different in tenor from so many of the ones that we have read. The interesting thing with this psalm, or one interesting thing with this psalm, is that we don't hear why there has been a problem. We don't hear what has happened. But clearly God is angry, or the person who is writing the psalm feels that God is angry with them or maybe with their people. This could be in one of those dark periods, in the many periods in the time of the kings when the people have turned their eyes away from God. But the psalmist is feeling that and is wondering things like, does God remember the dead? But it's written interesting, you are the God who saves me is the first line. So this psalmist is faithful in his cries to God. Day and night I cry out to you, my prayer come before you, turn your ear to my cry. It starts with that and it continues with that throughout the whole song that this person who is overwhelmed with troubles, who feels like they're in death in the pit, without strength, dead in the grave, and cut off from care, is still calling out to God. They feel like they're in the lowest pits and the darkest dark. And their wrath lies heavy. So they feel the anger of God. They've been overwhelmed with all your waves. They're repulsive to their closest friends. They're confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. And yet it goes back to, I call out to you, God, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show wonders to the dead? 
do their spirits rise up and praise you? What a fascinating way to look at this and what a distressing and heart-wrenching way to look at this, to feel that you are so far down that you are dead. I don't know if this is what Old Testament depression looks like. It certainly could be someone who is who is bound with that particular illness or whether it is a spiritual issue that's going on here. But I love the continuing, even in this situation, to continue to come back and to cry to God for help. The faithfulness in this terrible depths of despair. Are your wonders known in the place of darkness? Are your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry out to you for help, O Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. And then finally the question here in verse 14, why do you reject me or hide your face from me? There is no answer here in this psalm. There is no answer whether that is true and the, or the psalmist just feels it. There's no answer with what they did that is causing God to have wrath against them. But that is what they're feeling. And as I said many times, psalms, I think, are important for us to understand that there is what we feel and that it was what we know. And what this psalmist knows is that they should continue to cry to help for God. What they feel is death, despair, and oblivion. From my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me all day long. They surround me like a flood. You completely engulfed me. You've taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. I don't know if it is possible to get darker than this psalm, but sometimes and some people find themselves in this kind of despair. I have in my daily prayer list a list of people who I pray for, including my mother, who are prone to depression. And I have seen her go through serious times where she was misdiagnosed, for instance, with depression when she went into menopause and was told it was all in her head, which, of course, is where depression lives, but was thought she was going crazy. And I think this would be the kind of psalm she would have written at that time. If you or someone you know is in this kind of despair, I would ask you to reach out to someone for help. Not just with prayer, but also reach out to someone who a counselor or something or a doctor, because that can help as well. But if you're dealing with this kind of spiritual despair, also reach out. Find if there is someone who can pray with you so that you don't have to be alone in this land of oblivion and darkness. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, 
parenting, and more. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.